In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, the beginning of Holy Week coincides with the anniversary of our Father's ordination back in 1925. So, Palm Sunday will include this little procession that will begin outside the oratory in churches. It begins some, somewhere in the vestibule or someplace outside the church. And that little procession is meant to symbolize really our entire life as we move toward God and then come into the sanctuary of heaven, praising God with those olive branches or those palm branches, praising his anointed one. Because he is here in the sanctuary in the Eucharist, but also around the sanctuary there are steps to go up. The priest has to go up these little, these little well, there's just one step here in this case. It reminds us also of the fact that Jesus also ascended a step when he went up Mount Calvary where he was crucified. We picture the scene now upon his entry into Jerusalem when people went to the trees and found branches and tore off those branches, thinking of grabbing anything that could give him praise. And then some took off their very cloaks and put them down so that he could tread on them, so that the donkey that he was riding on could tread on them. It was a sign of veneration, of jubilation, of joy, the branches themselves and the and the olive branches that we carry are meant to symbolize also the need to lay down our life for Jesus, allowing him access to our innermost being, our innermost thoughts, our innermost gift of ourselves. This is why we are here. This is why you're working here. This is why you live here in this basement of Lincroft. No, it's not all a basement, but still, it's, part of it is a basement. We do all that because we've given ourselves entirely to Jesus. As we know, from the veil on the tabernacle, the color is red. Of course, the color of blood. But also the color of love, the color of fire, 
color of passion, the blood of, the blood of sacrifice, and the cross is still covered to heighten our senses and build within us a stronger longing for Easter. celebrated in a church the parishioners often take up during the passion narrative different roles the priests uh, you know he reads the part of Jesus uh, there's the narrator that reads another part and, and uh, the people in the, in, in the parish they can take up the the part of the crowd when they read the whole narrative everybody has a section and it's quite striking because the whole passion, passion narrative culminates when, when the entire congregation says, crucify him, crucify him. They have to repeat it twice. And if they've been well prepared, they'll say it in perfect harmony. Imagine that. You have to say, crucify him. It's painful. Our father felt the pain when he talked about that, when he mentions that in his account of the way of the cross. It reminds us of our own responsibility in this, our own sins, when we say crucify him. And we do all this today as we remember also St. Osiria, priest. That's his title, St. Josemaria Priest. He's not a missionary, he's not a religious, he's not a, I don't know, he's a priest. And he would not have become founder if he had not first become a priest. He often insisted on this idea of, of, of being a hundred percent priest. To es sacerdos in eternum, segundum Segundum ordinem Melchizedek, said the song. You are a priest forever, according to that order of Melchizedek. It's a kind of an oath, this psalm says, Psalm 110, that it's, a, it's an oath that is declared by God himself, that the king, the Messiah, is not only a king, but also a priest. And that that priest, uh, that is the Messiah, is in the line, not of Aaron, but in the line of Melchizedek. He's not in the line of the Jewish priests. Jesus does not offer sacrifices in the temple. He's outside the temple. And as we know, like Melchizedek, he offers bread and wine. Not symbols, but himself in his body and blood, which are the bread and wine of the Eucharist. So through his total love, the gift of himself, this bread and wine become the substance of his body and blood. That's what happens. That's why we have the priesthood. 
was a very high moment in our father's life when Cardinal Soldevilla told him, or I don't know, gave him the, uh, the letter to ordain him. He received that on May 14th, 1924. That's a very important moment. He's kind of, give, they call them the demissorial letters. I remember the day I received that from Don Alvaro. That means that's it, you're done, you're gonna get ordained. You know, you know, all these years of preparation, okay, that's it. You know, you're all dummy, okay. You, know, you think they're gonna tell you, well, you know, maybe you wanna go home and see you later. <laughs> but, uh, which happens, of course, uh, but, they tell you, Don Alvaro was thinking if you would like to be ordained a priest. Then you say, that's it, that's done, it's done. It's done. And that's what happened with Cardinal Juan de Soldevilla. He, he was a man from Aragon, a man of great tradition. And I don't know the exact relationship that our father had with him, but, well, what we do know is that on May 14, 1924, he was brutally assassinated by anarchists in broad daylight. So, he couldn't, of course, ordain him. Well, the same thing happened to me. Don Alvaro also died. So he couldn't ordain me. Well, he had a heart attack. He wasn't brutally assassinated, but uh, it was similar. But a little bit later, I too was ordained a deacon. Well, the, our father was ordained to the subdiaconate. And uh, by a fellow priest, a bishop rather, by the name of Miguel de los Santos, who replaced the cardinal. And then, that was in June, he was, he was, uh, yeah. No, yeah, that's right, in June he was, became the subdiaconate. Then in November, November 27th, his father died, suddenly of a heart attack, which was a very hard blow. There were tensions in the family. His uncle was being difficult. But all these things, his father's death, the tensions of the family were strengthening him for the upcoming difficulties that he would face. Then in December, he received the diaconate. This is 1924. He's a step closer. His mother is now only 47 years old. She comes to live in Saragossa to be close to him. She knows it's, it's going to be an important time. Then on Ember Saturday, March 28th, 1925, he's only 23 years old and he's ordained to the priesthood. It's a solemn moment. There is a particular moment of great solemnity during this long ceremony of the ordination where whether you're with many or with few or alone, the bishop goes through a ritual and he has to call your name and you have to stand up and he, sa he would have said, Jose Maria Escriva. De Balaguer. 
and he has to stand up and he has to say Adsum which means I am here or here I am and he's asked by the bishop it's all according to the ritual if he's ready to give his whole life to the ministerial priesthood do you want to undertake faithfully and with dignity the ministry of the word through preaching do you want to celebrate with devotion and fidelity the mystery of Christ and he asks a few other questions like that and to each one the candidate has to say I do yes I do volo I can imagine our father was deeply moved and bewildered by the goodness of the Lord. He dismissed all the difficulties he had experienced since his calling. And we too want to now let the love of God renew us to slake our thirst for love, to fill us with enthusiasm for what the Lord wants for us, for our life, for the apostolate, for our role here specifically in Canada, here in the administration, here among the people you're working with, the girls. The Today is really a day to say to our Lord at the very beginning of Holy Week several times, Adsum, I am here. Yes, I do. I want to give myself with enthusiasm, with fervor. Maybe not always enthusiasm and fervor. It's not always there. It's not, that's not the absolutely necessary thing. But our father was no longer lamenting how things went. He just said, Atsu. So that's what we want to say today at the beginning of Holy Week. Atsu. With UNIV, with the pandemic, with everything online. When you have to log in to that link that's going to link you to whatever things you're going to do online, say Atsu. It's obviously a very unique Holy Week, usually packed with so many people. And just as it must be it must be painful for our Lord to see us in pain, absent from all those other people that are there normally in St. Peter's Square or just normally in the churches or gathered. But there was pain in the Passion narrative, not just because of the brutality of, with which they treated him and the physical pain, but also... Not all who were there with him said, Adsum, I am here. And he fled. They basically said with their actions, I am not here. And our vocation is to lead souls to Jesus, wherever we are, with our work, with our service, with our professionalism. We have to be there with others to do that. We have to be Adsum. I am here. With the girls you work with, the younger ones, the older ones, 
the ones with experience, with less experience. You could lead them to Jesus, our Lord, with your integrity, with your smile, with your experience. And in this passion narrative, it begins with the same concept, but, but, you know, to be present there. But it, it is Judas who, who leads that band of soldiers to Jews to to Jesus at night after the Last Supper. Remember that. Well, his part in the narrative consists in, in leading the way. To where Jesus was. And identifying him as the man to be arrested. So he too is leading people to Jesus. He is the one who initiated the whole drama. Especially when he thrust that painful kiss on the cheek of Jesus. He said, the one I kiss, that's the one you you grab. This was the culmination of all his betrayals. And yet, despite that, Jesus still calls him friend. Friend. Is it with a kiss that you betray the Son of Man? Friend. That's from St. Mark. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure that the narrative we will read today from St. Mark includes that line. What Matthew does, Jude, uh, John does. So Judas did follow our Lord. He heard him, he saw his miracles. He loved Jesus for a while. But then he had forgotten all the wonders he saw. how he went to sleep, smiling. Judas felt privileged for a while. Remember those words our Lord said, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you heard, and did not hear it. That's why we want to place ourselves there, in the year, not 2021, but the year 33. So that we can be among those righteous men who long to see what you saw and did not see it. That we can see it. There are questions we can ask about somebody like Judas. Questions that we can ask about any anybody who becomes lukewarm or begins to doubt the divine nature. When did Judas begin to to experience that disappointment? When did he start taking for granted those times of joy that he had spent with Jesus and the apostles. When did he become, begin to, or when did he become uh, inattentive or insensitive to his words? There must have been a time 
when Jesus said words, and it's as though Judas no longer took note, was thinking about other things, was distracted, was dissipated. There must have been a, a moment when he no longer was filled with wonder at the words of Jesus, but started more to think about himself, began to think and calculate how much money there was left in, in, the, in, the, in the purse. He was thinking how much he could use for himself. We were told in the gospel that he used part of it for himself. He didn't think about it in terms of the needs of the others. He didn't think about it in terms of the needs of the Lord. Maybe that's why they had to go to Bethany. He didn't get food ready. He began to think of his plans. Instead of thinking about what Jesus was telling him. This Holy Week, the Lord will tell us something and help us deepen in our faith as we go through each passage each each day of the week really each day of the week today's palm sunday we'll begin with the blessing of those palms people ask often what do we what do we do with the palms after well, they are they become since they will be blessed they become sacramentals and therefore they are occasions for us to to remind us of god's grace and people keep them on the cross uh, in their room or something. And each day of the week has a different tone, has a different emphasis, starting, well, already today because we have the whole Passion, but starting uh, Holy, Holy Wednesday, we have the account of Judas's uh, betrayal. He must have stopped listening at one point, and also simply, he must have stopped praying. There must have been a moment in which he stopped telling Jesus what was going on in his soul, what was leading to his upheavals. But he didn't do that. Perhaps uh, today is... uh, It's a good day to renew our desire to be souls of prayer, to bring everything that happens to us to the Lord and find good ways of articulating what we talk about in the prayer to articulate that also uh, in the chat. What we talk to our Lord about, we can say, well, this is what I talked to our Lord about. Like that, if we can say that, if we can articulate that. But the most important thing is that we talk to our Lord about our struggles, our joys, our sorrows. And now this has to be, a, in many ways, it's a very unique Holy Week, starting with a unique Palm Sunday. Let's pray for the Holy Father there. Normally there are many, many thousands and thousands of people there. And uh, perhaps the Lord has wished 
to use the pandemic and let's say to reframe it now so that we interiorize more deeply the the passion and thereby make Easter more deeply felt. My own experience in Holy Week in Rome is that it's so full of excited excitement, running back and forth. You have until Wednesday to see many of the sites, and then you spend most of the day making your way to St. Peter's and getting the tickets and, and finding a spot to be able to see the Pope. And then the afternoon is usually a get-together with the, the Father or something. This year, I've heard that there will be a, a session with the Father online. As I understand, it will just be Canada. So everybody will connect. It'll be not the real thing, but it'll be the best we can do. And we must reframe this as an occasion to, to renew our vocation, to renew our gift of self. Let us not stop the fact that it's online. It's okay, but it's, it's not good. It's not as great, not great, but it's not going to stop us from coming close to our Lord and renewing our dedication. It all starts with Judas leading all these soldiers to Christ. When Peter sees these soldiers, it suddenly clicks into the fact of Judas's betrayal. Of course, he reacts with impetuosity and with loyalty. And he comes to our Lord's defense. He risks his own life. But he does not yet fully understand God's plans of salvation. He still cannot come to terms with the idea of Christ dying. Earlier, when our Lord said that he had to go to Jerusalem, suffer much, grievously, be insulted and stuff, and then die, he said, no, this cannot happen to you, Lord. And now again, the same thing, it just doesn't no cuadra, as we say in Spanish. No cuadra. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, doesn't enter his head. It became popular in the Middle Ages to have representations of paintings of our Lord in his Passion, where he is shown, sort of, with his his body standing in the tomb, with his hands like this on his breast, point, showing his wounds, and then also pointing to the other wound on his side. And around him, all around him, are all what they call, uh, there was a name for that now, I don't remember what they are, but what it was called, but uh, it was basically all the instruments of the Passion. You see the whip, you see the, you see the, uh, you know, the spear, you see the nails, and all the other things. You see the cock that crowed, uh, and um, you know the dice. Uh, you see the noose of Judas, um, and the observer was meant to go through that, recognize what they are, and thereby contemplate the whole passion. And I've always been struck by one of the things you always see is an ear with a knife. An ear with a knife. Well, that's the high priest's ear. 
And then you just look at that isolated ear. Then you can look at the cock, then you can look at the column, then you can look at the, flage the flagellum. And um, these, these uh, paintings, called the Men of Sorrows, uh, were very popular in the Middle Ages. Well, we must have our own Men of Sorrows this week so that we can enter into the Passion, pray, and feel that sorrow together with the Apostles and with our, our Blessed Mother, our Mother of Sorrows, who stood by and watched with faith, waiting for that, for the final day of the Resurrection. Let's accompany her during these days and ask for the true grace of conversion. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.